This is a show about getting spooked for fun, and neither one of the hosts are associated with the attractions discussed in any way. Except for those skeletons in Devin's closet. Some topics may go from ghoulish to ghastly, so viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to The Great American Scream. Time is now, on an evening very much like the one we have just witnessed. Night's story of the podcast is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. If you could, uh, if you could raise that, uh, that D- those DDDs up, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this, as you know, as you may recognize, is the maintenance service elevator. Still in operation, waiting for you. <laughs> we invite you, if you dare, to step aboard because in tonight's episode, you are the star. And this elevator travels directly to the gift shop. That's right. <laughs> I survived the great American scream. If that was annoying, you can <laughs> If that was annoying and persisted in the background, you can cut it out. Okay, that's fine, but I will leave in the part where you say we can cut it out to for, so that the Confused. audience knows you did it the whole time. Okay. <laughs> Hello everybody. Welcome to the Great American Scream. My name is Devin Wright. My name is Adam O'Connell, and today we are going to talk about another one of the best rides the Walt Disney Company has ever made. Ladies and gentlemen, amidst the glitz and glitter of a bustling movie town at the height of its golden age, the Twilight Zone, Tower of Terror. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are continuing our long-running highly anticipated series of episodes on disney this will probably be like how many more can we none of them are really horror uh, themed this is our 17th one of these if you missed the last one it was about slinky dog dash the scariest (laughs) of mgm studio i mean hollywood studios attractions (laughs) but no we're gonna talk about like adam said probably the best the best disney attraction ever made in terms of theming the Tower yeah. of Terror. It's maybe not as iconically like haunted or like right, but the haunted mansion isn't haunted either. But, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it's not what we think of as like a haunted ride, but terror is quite literally right there in the title. So right, it is a horror attraction, absolutely, and or a, a suspense attraction, we a suspended about, attraction. <laughs> it's all of those things at once. <laughs> we we talked a little bit about this ride in the top five scary attractions episode, but today yeah. we're going to take. A deep dive. Right. I mean, our second episode ever was about the Haunted Mansion, and I think it's one of our best. Yes. Yeah, so, so why not recreate the magic of the good old days? Now, I have a very complicated relationship with this ride. As oh, I my love, God. I, I'm sorry. I love everything about it except for the dropping, which is like kind of like. <laughs> That's what the ride is. That's like the thing, right? <laughs> That's the whole ride. I. And, uh, we've talked about my dropping phobia on this show before, and I'm truly trying to give myself exposure therapy with this ride. Okay. And that hopefully one day I will learn to love it. Uh, I've been on it once mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want to get married in the courtyard by the gift shop. So I feel like I need to just okay. give it an, a take another crack at it. It's an acquired taste. It's like beer. You just got to drink it for a while until you <laughs> st- stop going every time you drink it, which is actually still what I do. Um, maybe one, you know, we're in this time where we're socially distant, we're all missing 
uh, Walt Disney World, although it is uh, prematurely uh, opened its doors to. Uh, well, it hasn't. It's opening next month as of the recording of this episode. Right, as of recording this. So future, if you're listening to this any more than a month in the future, you know, you I'm going to do two different ones. You know how yeah. well that went or you know how poorly that went. So whichever. I'm going to do I'm going to do one version, which is if you're listening to this one month in the future, Walt Disney World has just opened. If you're listening to two to this two months in the future, you'll remember that Walt Disney opened for about two weeks, saw a spike in coronavirus cases, then it closed back down. Um, but no, we'll you know, once this is over and we're all safe and seven years then you and me adam will will go to walt disney world and we will immerse you in the tower of terror we'll ride it 17 times in a row and we'll we'll record the whole thing it's my own personal hell but we'll start you on a little frog hopper at like at like a chuck e cheese yeah okay so if you don't if you've never been don't know the ride uh, the twilight zone tower of terror or as we will the nomenclature uh the tower of terror for short or the tot or the tot um it's an accelerated drop tower dark ride so yes drop tower is any of those attractions that you see at the carnival where you sit in the row and it drops you up and down dr doom's fear fall or anything it kind the of frog like hop. Little, the frog hop um and a dark ride which you talked about what the haunted mansion is uh located at disney's hollywood studios tokyo disney sea uh walt disney studio park which is in paris and informally at california adventure it was re-themed to guardians of the galaxy yeah which incorrectly everybody, uh, yeah everyone freaked out when it happened although i have heard that it's a pretty good ride i'm sure it is a fine ride but they should have put it somewhere else <laughs> and made another drop tower disney can have two drop towers as a treat and <laughs> i don't like the fact that that happened we like of all the move, the the ride rethemings, we all know the most heinous ones in the eyes of Disney fans, which I'm mostly just talking about aliens, extra, ter- extra yeah. terrestrial encounter, yeah. uh, which I think was good to be rethemed just because the name was bad. But this is one that I just, why did you do it? It's like the, um, the Space Ranger spin that got rethemed to Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, why do you do that it? That happen. I thought that happened in Paris. Uh, something got rethemed to, no, Rock and Roller Coaster is getting rethemed to Iron Man, I believe. Well, that's also incorrect. <laughs> but That's anyhow. just wrong. I want to listen to Aerosmith, not, not RDJ. Well, luckily you can still do it in Florida. Yeah. But, uh, the original, all the other attractions besides California one are based off of the Twilight Zone series, except for the Tokyo one, which is its own story, because I don't think right. the Twilight Zone is as iconic. It's not really there. a thing. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, uh, also, I want to mention, it's not just a drop tower, as you said, it's an accelerated drop tower. Yes, I don't know if you have ta- this later. Yeah, oh, we're okay, you about do. This. I want to talk about it. It's wild. Um, so uh, the original version of the attraction opened in 1994 in what was then Disney MGM Studios, which has now been renamed to Hollywood Studios. Right. Uh, which Hashtag is the not version- my Hollywood Studios. <laughs> I still call it MGM Studios. Which is that's the version that we're going to talk about uh, today. Yes. All the rest of the versions besides the ones I mentioned previously are, are relatively similar. Um, so it was the tallest attraction in Disney World at 199 feet until Expedition Everest opened, which beat right. it by half a foot. Yes. As we talked about in the top five scary attractions video, I am convinced that an engineer, when they were talking about Expedition Everest, went, uh, oh, we should make it this tall. And then somebody went, well, we want it. How tall is how tall is the Tower of Terror? And somebody went uh, 199 feet. And they went, all right, so that's uh, six inches more. <laughs> we can put that in. Uh, which um, is actually because if anything is over 200 feet, they have to put a little blinking light on it for the yes. aircraft. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but so a little bit on the history of this ride. Ooh. It actually started off as an idea for a uh, the second expansion of Disneyland Paris as a freefall ride in Frontierland named Geyser Mountain. Um, and concept- just as we know, Disneyland Paris <laughs> opened and was incredibly successful. Great and so they fanfare. did it and they made Frontierland perfect. And everything went well. Michael Eisner, of course, still the CEO and bathed and has multiple. They replaced all the Disney statues with him, actually. (laughs) But so uh, the concept ended up getting scrapped, um, but picked up for uh, Hollywood Studios or MGM Studios expansion. Um, Some rides for this expansion of the park had already been pitched, including a ride based on Stephen King's novels. Now, I would love to just all of the scary ones. Okay, just kind of a, a menagerie. Kind of of <laughs> it was called Stephen King's Scary Ride, and it was him talking to you throughout all of them. I would love to see Disney's take on The Shining. And, oh, yeah. Um, uh, okay, uh, you, you say that like it's a joke, but imagine the kind of like holographic projection technology they have now where they could do the uh, blood coming down the hallway. The blood elevator? Yeah. Um. I mean, they would knock it out of the park, but I don't yeah, think. But they would they, never do it. Yeah. No. Um, another uh, one was a Vincent Price ghost tour. A uh-huh. um, Mel Brooks narrated kind <laughs> of like funny haunted house ride. Uh-huh. Uh, an actual hotel. Um, a whodunit interactive murder mystery and a ride, which this is the one that got closest to conception. A ride based on that that classic IP that everybody knows. Dick Tracy's Crime Stoppers. Which I, Dick, did you phone, you kind of phoned that name in, huh? Well, okay. You went, well, so, there are a bunch of characters who stop crime. So <laughs> what are we going to call these guys? <laughs> if you don't know what Dick Tracy's Crime Stoppers is, it was a comic strip made into a film uh, by Touchstone Pictures. Now, Touchstones is Disney's kind of like risky film label that they release right. films that they're not sure are going to go well under. That was the label that Who Framed Roger Rabbit was released under because Disney, that way, if it fails, Disney can go, oh, that like they not can just touch those if it's really good. They're like, oh, no, that's definitely ours. Right. Any um, movie that they go that Disney like has in their parks or like has ever you've like seen with like a Disney logo and somebody goes, did you know that was Disney? And you go, no, it was probably Touchstone Pictures. Yeah, exactly. And Who Framed Marge Rabbit's a great example of that. They didn't know if it was going to be successful because it was slightly more mature and it ended up being a huge success. And Roger Rabbit used to be everywhere in Disney parks. Until I wish he still Disney- was. Yeah. Until the disagreement with Steven Spielberg happened. But that's another episode. Um, but so lest we forget that this was the Michael Eisner era of Disney when Mm -hmm. they were really trying to market, they were really trying to market the park towards teens and young adults. Um, I think specifically for Michael Eisner's tea and Breck, um, but that's my own personal They were only trying to do it for Breck and they built extraterrestrial and he went, I don't like it. And they went, (laughs) all right, we got to build Videopolis and they built Videopolis (laughs) and then kids died because of gang fights outside and they went, Breck can't go there. It's too dangerous. And then they built Tear Off Chair. And he went, oh, I love the Twilight Zone. You know how all teens and young adults are just so hip on this Twilight Zone thing? So 
They eventually settled on the Twilight Zone and decided that they would take guests into the fifth dimension through a 1930s Hollywood hotel. They watched 156, Imagineers watched 156 episodes of the show for inspiration. And I did wow. that last Saturday. What do they want? A medal? Yeah. What Yeah. What, what kind of a, that's not a fun fact. That's a normal fact. That's a normal, a, that's a normal day for me. Yeah. But, um, so they had to create a whole new ride system that could both uh, drive itself horizontally and drop vertically like an elevator. Right. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that ride system soon. Um, and so Rod Serling, who is the host and creator of Twilight Zone, had passed away two decades prior to the attraction's conception, but they still wanted him to be a part of the attraction because he's so iconic. Right. So they, and, um, uh, well, they and that's very sad and all, but it is in some ways good because if he wasn't dead already, my portrayal of him at the beginning of this podcast would have killed him. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but so it's good that he doesn't know that happened. Yes. Yeah. So uh, they auditioned impressionists, and they had his wife uh, Carol Serling choose from all uh, choose who would uh, they lined them him. up. Yeah, <laughs> and they eventually they went with a man uh, named Mark Silverman, and he is the one who provides the uh, Rod Serling's voice, and it's amazingly convincing. He sounds just yeah. like him. Um, and they used archival footage from a couple of different episodes and kind of combined it all together to make the uh, pre-show video. Uh, and so when they were building the ride, they were inspired by uh, Southern Californian and Spanish colonial revival architecture, kind of based around this old Hollywood Sunset Boulevard kind of vibe. Yeah. And what's really cool, and a fun fact that I always point out when I'm at Epcot is that, so you can see the back of the Tower of Terror from Future Worlds and Epcot, and it's right over Morocco. So they designed both the front and mostly the back of the tower so that it would blend pretty seamlessly into the skyline of Morocco. So you wouldn't look and go, hey, that's the Tower of Terror. Like you that's wouldn't notice wild. it. Isn't it? And earnestly, people don't notice until you point out this fact to them. Yeah, until they pay you 10 bucks at the door and you give them a secret Epcot tour. <laughs> As you do. If you're ever in Epcot and you see Adam, you can just yeah. say, excuse me, are you lauded podcast host Adam O'Connell? And will you, for my $10, give me a tour of Epcot? It doesn't even have to. You just buy me a margarita in Mexico and I'll be like, you don't have to give me $10. Yeah, yeah Adam will actually go, you could just give me $10. <laughs> no, just just buy me just buy me the margarita and I'll give you a tour. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the ride experience and some fun hidden Easter eggs and how the ride works. Yeah. Um, so the building is located, like I said, on the Sunset Boulevard, part of the park by Rocket Miller Coaster and the Hollywood Hills Amphitheater. Um, it's matches. It's, it's really like it's a very cool sightline when you kind of round the corner of Sunset Boulevard and you see it off in the distance and you can hear it way before you see it. Yeah. Um, and so it, it looks like an old style, like like Hollywood kind of hotel for some reason yeah. when I was a kid the thing that I associate with this hotel is uh, the song Hotel California so like I guess I don't know why but in my head <laughs> it is a hotel in California right, that you right. don't come back from presumably yeah you can check in to the Tower of Terror but you can never leave which I like, think is another reason Tower, why I associate hotel it with California could be about Tower of Terror is Hotel California I am saying it is the Eagles Went on Tower of Terror. They were the so scared. They wrote, they wrote Hotel California and then they got so angry because some of them liked the ride and some of them hated the ride. And that's actually why the Eagles broke up. <laughs> uh, even before the ride was actually the built ride. in 1994. <laughs> built. 
So uh, the the cue is uh, well, well, okay. I didn't put this in the outline. I totally should have. But mm-hmm. so what? Actually, when you are walking, the cue starts outside before you actually get into the inside portion. And when you are walking outside, the pathway to get inside is not a flat pathway. There's actually parts of it that are raised by just like or lower by just like two or three degrees, and uh-huh. by that it creates. It apparently creates this weird sense of unease as you're getting closer to the building that ah. you can't quite put your finger on. But it's because you're walking on this uneven ground that you can't clock with your eyes. Ah, and you have that kind of like, oh, that ground is a little bit shorter than I thought it was going to be. Oh, yeah, something's like, wrong here. Kind of like missing a step. Yeah. Um, but so the queue is low-key my favorite part of this ride. It's also the part of this ride that I experience most often because what I will do is wait Just online for it with my friends on family. And then when we get to board in the elevator, I'll go see ya. And they bring me down in the chicken elevator. Adam O'Connell, you are the only human being alive who goes to Disney World to wait in the queues. And then I guarantee <laughs> you, I am not the only person who does this. God, Disney is weird. We can like, like, obviously this isn't an amusement park podcast. We just happen to talk about <laughs> scary rides i uh like (laughs) there's so much about my opinion about disney as a whole that is like super complicated uh but like their queue design is such like just as a as a person who likes design and thinks about design a lot it's so goddamn good it is so cool it is so weird because it's also like there's another part of me that hates the fact that Disney is able to engineer the way people feel through their queue design. <laughs> but like, really freaky. it's so cool. It's so cool. And the queue, as you say, it is it, it is probably the best part of the ride. The Actually, yeah. the best part of the ride comes before the drop. But the queue is like right up there. Yeah. So you walk through this very purposefully dusty, cobweb covered, long forgotten hotel lobby. And it's a lot of cool Twilight pieces of memorabilia from the show, uh, like kind of scattered in different places throughout the lobby, um, including glasses from the episode Time Enough at Last, which is the, the one best. where the guy is the last man on yeah, Earth. And he's like, oh, I can read all the these books. Yeah, yeah. Breaks his glasses. And then also a cookbook titled To Serve Man, um, which is from that episode where they run into aliens and realize that the aliens are reading this cook like to serve. They're not learning to serve man. They are yeah, they're learning, learning how- to serve man on a platter. Yeah. Um, so you are then directed to a library where you watch the pre-show video uh, where Rod Sterling announces that tonight's uh, episode of the Twilight Zone will be starring you. Ooh. He tells the story of the Tower's Curse, which is on a stormy night, uh, Hollywood, 1939, Hollywood, uh, Halloween night. Five uh. people, uh, a celebrity couple, their young daughter, her nanny and a bellhop boarded an elevator when the tower was struck by lightning, causing everyone in the elevator to vanish on the 13th floor, along with an entire wing of the building. Oh, um, so and not vanish are, as a as a lightning strike can't do, which would be like just it got destroyed. It got transported into, into the, the fifth tra- dimension, the twilight zone. So uh, you are then brought to the boiler room to board the maintenance service elevator as your room is not ready yet. Uh, one of my favorite things about this queue is the music in the lobby. They have all these old kind of decrepit versions of 1930s jazz standards playing. It's, it's very, very much, Adam, you probably don't understand this reference, but it's very Fallout. It's very, no, I know what Fallout very, is. very Fallout music because they yeah, do that I, kind of I thing. I get what you mean. But uh, I always listen to this music loop and I'm like doing homework. But uh, so some, not that I'm doing homework anymore because I got my diploma. Yeah, we're whatever. adults now. 
Um, but so uh, some other fun facts about the queue in the lobby. Um, according to a plaque in the lobby, the hotel has 13 diamonds from AAA. Ah. Now, AAA can only award five diamonds total. So that is such that is a joke that a ride engineer thought of and thought it was the funniest thing ever. It's like it's like when SNL writes skits that are only funny to writers. Yeah, there is a felt letterboard in, uh, in the lobby with the uh, hotel's directory for amenities and stuff. Uh, it's located between the two broken elevators and uh, missing letters have fallen to the bottom of the board. The spell you are doomed. Ah. Uh, and, uh, there are folded up notes at the bellhop services desk that are actually notes from the original CM, uh, cast members of the attraction. Oh, um, and then whenever new people get trained there, they get to read the notes. And then when they leave, they get to write notes of their own. Very cute. Uh, yeah, you so- are doomed. Uh, it was interesting that they came up with the thing that my high school bully texted me. <laughs> yesterday? <laughs> yeah, yesterday. He's coming. Um, but so... We'll talk about the ride itself now. So uh, you get to the boiler room and then you board this elevator and rise up before encountering the first show scene where you see the five missing passengers appear using the Pepper's Ghost effect, which you talked about in the Haunted Mansion episode. If you don't remember, it's when they kind of put that sheet of glass at an angle and reflect a light through it. So the animatronics or figures are actually around and to the left. Yeah, Yeah. somewhere you can't see. And they are uh, projected. So they look like ghosts. Um, and they beckon guests to join them before vanishing in a flash of electricity. Uh. Uh, then you rise again and arrive in the maintenance room, which uh, transforms into a field of stars as your elevator car proceeds forward, which is such a crazy part because you, best. you thought you're just moving up and down. And then yeah, you the can best move moment. Forward. That's the best moment that I was talking about. And it's possibly one of the best moments. It shows why Disney it, like exists. As we've talked about, like Disney creates these rides that are just basic amusement park rides and then raises them up. So like Tower of Terror is a drop tower. But this moment where you're like, I know what a drop tower is. This is the elevator. We're going to go up and we're going to drop. And then you you move forward. And you move forward during this incredible. I mean, if like I remember going on this ride multiple times and like trying to clock the effects it's really like, crazy. It's like a bunch of mirrors and there are some peppers ghost effects going on, but it looks like you it looks like a flat star field and then you start to move through it and it like becomes 3D as you move. It is so wild and that mixed with the fact that you move forward is so I think wild. It's one, of the, it's one of the few Disney attractions where it is so hard to clock the effects. Yeah. Like a lot of the times when you're in an attraction, you can like see where things are coming from or exactly right. what they're doing to make the illusion. Tower terror like a lot of times you can't tell yeah a lot of the like there there's a there's a group there's like a genre of anti-disney people who like will will cite the fact that you can tell when like effects are being used Mm -hmm. uh in disney rides to like discount them and then there's another genre of disney fans who think that is the fun part but like as we move on and technology gets better and better like rise of the resistance is like really hard to clock like Mm -hmm. because the effects are so goddamn good that it starts to get unnoticeable and tower of terror was made in a time when most of the Disney rides were clockable. Like the closest you got were like really lifelike animatronics or like spaceship earth where you're like, "Eh," or like the freaking Johnny Depp animatronic in Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, But tower of terror is so unclockable, especially for the time. Like it is so 
oh, it's still so wild. holds up really well. Yeah. Yeah. But so uh, as you proceed forward, you then arrive in another elevator shaft and you, you hear the Twilight Zone theme and Serling voice, Serling's voice again saying you are about to en- to discover what lies beyond the fifth dimension, beyond the deepest, darkest corner of the imagination in the Tower of Terror. And then the, and then the window the rises starts. up. And then doesn't don't doesn't a window rise up so you like see before you drop in a, in, a, in a part of the drop sequence? Yes, but usually the first drop is in darkness. Oh, okay. But st- so still, the, and the thing dropping. you discover, the thing you discover is that uh, gravity exists in the fifth dimension. <laughs> yeah, what's, uh, what, but, but does it? But it's because, not gravity, yeah. Yeah, when we say drops, the, the, the Tower of Terror is not actually free-falling like many drop tower rides are. The car is actually getting pulled down by cables, so it is falling faster than the speed of gravity. Um, yeah. At a top speed of 39 miles an hour, which is this is why you lift up out of your seat as you drop, because right. gravity cannot catch up with how fast you are moving down. Right. And there is like in other drop towers where you are just affected by gravity, you will lift out of your seat. It's a thing called mm-hmm. airtime G's uh, negative G forces. And the th- the thing is that this elevator actually uses what an elevator uses. It uses a big counterweight, but it also uses what a. Uh, drop tower uses which is this big basically a winch right but it's connected at both ends so so when the the weight is pulled up um by the winch it's not only being it's not only being pulled up like it is with a regular uh weight where it's being pulled up by the weight of the elevator it's also getting pulled up by the winch so you're pulling down on the elevator which is it your body is in some ways used to free fall because of stuff like drop towers and the fact that we all seek out these negative g-force experiences for some reason um but because it's pulling you faster your body's like wait, wait, wait. and it, it's like the two or three degree q design thing where it's just that little bit that you can't perceive that is throwing you off yeah it's true it's not only just weightlessness that you'll feel on anything that drops, but almost a right. floating sensation because yeah. of how fast it's going. And that's why this is my own personal hell, because my <laughs> least favorite part of any dropping is the feeling you get in your stomach when you right. have those negative G's. And this is that like, yeah, which is my favorite power. feeling, my favorite feeling in the whole world. It's like I could probably do more dropping things if I was strapped down so goddamn hard like that there is no way i can feel any negative g forces adam the whole point is that your body moves with the thing but your guts lift up Uh, i I hate that okay you're made of water it's literally not possible (laughs) i wish i wish i wasn't (laughs) i wish i could turn into stone in that moment but anyway um there's also a video on youtube of people who managed to wiggle out of their seatbelts as the drop sequence began don't 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 do that don't everything about that's bad not only will you get in trouble and banned from the parks, but you could seriously injure yourself. Yeah. Um, so uh, at least once during the sequence, you reach about 157 feet above ground level and the windows open and you get that aerial view of the park. Yes. Um, that usually doesn't happen at the beginning. It happens at some point once you've reached the uh, the highest point uh, and the full the length of the full drop is 130 feet. Uh, right. 13 stories. And the ride, when it first opened, the whole thing was just the single 130-foot drop. Uh, it was changed two years later to do two drops and then to a triple drop in 1999 because mm. 
the payoff of just the one big drop is not as right. Fun. Right. So, uh, but in 2004, for the ride's 10th anniversary, they launched the uh, Never the Same Fear Twice campaign and randomized the drop sequence pattern so it will be a different experience every time you wrote it. Which is the coolest idea ever. Like, it's so, oh, that's so cool. There are four randomized uh, drop sequences that are randomly programmed into each car, so you never know what you're going to get when you ride it. Uh, and this, these sequences always include a faux drop, like a fake drop meant to startle riders. So just yeah. a little, little Very jump. Very good. And then one full 130 foot drop, usually in succession with each other. Right. And it like it happen at any point. Yeah. And that's so interesting because like as a person who is super into thrill rides, roller coasters, like I've ridden like King to Cod nine, ten times now at this point in my life. For a lot of us, the like thrill seeking aspect is that you want to ride like the tallest ride ever or the fastest ride ever or the steepest ride ever and there's a part of you that hasn't experienced it before so like that's exciting and then you start to learn it and you're like oh i've done this a million times and like a lot of thrill people don't like disney because they don't do those kinds of thrill rides but the 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 move of something like a randomized drop sequence in a thing like this adds that little bit of oh i've never experienced that before that is so goddamn cool it's the best ride in disney it's the best one it's it's really like great um so once the drop sequence finishes you arrive in the basement and then kind of you see the swirling vortex of like the season three opening of the twilight zone and uh rod serling warns you to make sure you always know what kind of vacancy you're filling (laughs) or else you may become permanent residents of the twilight zone just as he did oh sad um, but so you exit the ride uh, past the old lost and found desk of the hotel where you'll see a lot of other cool props from the show. And then you go into the gift shop. Uh, the gift shop has a lot of fun stuff, including Hollywood Tower Hotel slippers and bathrobes and like little bellhop hats and uh, like uh, what are they like the bells for the desk. Uh-huh. Yeah. And let me tell you, I wouldn't want to be a cast member working in there because any child who sees this table full of bells is going to go like all day. Um, so I wouldn't want to be working there, but it's a really well-themed, cute gift shop. And I want one of those robes, but they're like $140. Yeah. And it exits out into a really pretty courtyard where I say again, you can get married and I will get married. Yeah. That is maybe a promise and a threat. One, one of our listeners is that lucky fellow that's going to marry yeah. Adam one day in the Tower of Terror Garden. In the little garden in the outback. Um, there's also a 1997 made-for-TV movie based on the attraction starring uh, Kirsten Dunst. Good for you, girl. Cash that check. Yeah, it, it wasn't based off of the Twilight Zone show. It just it off was of based the ride. the Tower of Terror. Yeah, I don't know how they got about that, like, copyright-wise. Phantom but, of the Megaplex, but yeah, now it's the Tower of Terror. So uh, last time we finished off the Haunted Mansion episode by doing a kind of little fact versus fiction game. Uh And as any good Disney attraction does, uh, the Tower of Terror has some similar ones. So I would like to play that game again. Okay. Um, So, Devin, I have some uh, common myths, rumors, uh, stories about the Tower of Terror. Okay. And you have to tell me if you think they are fact or fiction. Okay. Okay. Are any of them about uh the what are they called the the lost uh animatronics that come and try and kill you in the night when you no they're false yeah no none of them involved the i'm sorry um okay the first one uh the tower of terror was actually struck by lightning during construction um i mean it's the tallest thing in the park so i'm gonna say yeah 
to the answer, which I now have to unhighlight. Oh my God. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I know the answer. The answer is unconfirmed. Ah. Uh, so it is unconfirmed, but it happened during construction, but the tower of terror has definitely been struck by lightning right. plenty of times since, uh, you can look it up on YouTube. There's plenty of videos of it. Storms are incredibly common in central Florida, especially during the summer. Uh, the state is pretty flat and the Tower of Terror is really tall. Yeah. So it's totally expected. There is a lightning rod up top of the tower for this exact reason. It's been struck by lightning while people are on it. Like it, it's it's really because it's a lightning rod. It's really not a huge deal, but it yeah. looks really cool. <laughs> right. Right. It just seems like the kind of thing where like somebody would be like, did you know there was actually a whole extra wing of the attraction and then the lightning <laughs> struck it and it vanished and they went, I have a great idea for this ride. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, rumor myth number two. The Tower of Terror was intended to be an actual functioning hotel and has a fully furnished room inside. You can see the light of this room turned on from the front of this attraction. OK, I I think parts of this are true. So I think that you can see a light on in a room, but I'm betting it's like a maintenance room or something. I think there could be. I think it's like that. The idea is like based on the actual fact that they were going to make it a real hotel. And then maybe there's like a fully furnished room in there just because for like the same reason. Where's the like the firehouse on Main Street has like a thing above it where in like Disneyland Walt, yeah. Walt Disney and, used to be. Yeah. And Cinderella Castle has the room in right. Disney World. Yeah. I think it's something like that. OK, so this is you're almost right. This is partially true. Uh, the idea of the tower being a functioning hotel was being tossed around and Michael Eisner kind of wanted it to be both a functioning hotel and a ride. But the idea ends up getting scrapped because simply because of how impractical. Yeah. That would yeah, be. yeah. Because here's the problem, too, because like, again, uh, rooms in the park are not uncommon. Cinderella Castle has that suite that guests have stayed in before. But the thing about it is when you have guests in there, they can't leave the room after the park closed. So there needs <laughs> to be a 24 seven concierge in this little desk outside the room. So if you need like diapers or something that they have to go out and get it for you. Yeah. So it's which they will need impractical. diapers because there's no bathroom in this hotel room. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> There is a bathroom in the hotel room, but there's um. But so the idea of that, plus it being a functioning attraction. Right. Like would be nobody would want to stay there. You'd have to like hear the like if you ever wanted to go home, like back to your room at in the middle of the day, you'd have to hear the giant winch cranking all yeah. day. And that's the thing, too. You can tell from the street because uh, Tower of Terror is a ride that goes down a lot, as yeah. a lot of e-ticket e attractions do. Um, and you can tell when they're testing or it, or when it's fully running, because you can hear You're people right. screaming from yeah. far down. Like you can hear it running without people on it, but you can hear the screaming from the entrance of Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Um, and you can see a light on in a room in the front, but it is simply decorative. Oh, okay. Now, very interesting. And most people don't get to see this because the path is really uh, that you can see this from is really only ever open for crowd control. But around back of the uh, of the attraction, which you can see if you're exiting Fantasmic and they've opened it up to just like let more people out to. Mm -hmm. There is a room that has a light on and has a silhouette of a man in the window. Ah, and that man is the fusion of of Serling and Disney <laughs> put together. Um, nobody ever really notices this. And it's quite freaky because it. Totally looks like a person up there. Yeah. Um, and you see people kind of pointing it out and debating whether or not it is an actual person or just a decorative prop. Um, okay. 
Myth number three, the Tower of Terror once experienced an actual elevator malfunction during uh, a ride in the 90s, resulting in multiple guest injuries. I'm going to say not true, only because I've watched videos about the engineering of the ride, and I don't think any malfunction would result in a guest injury. Okay, this is actually 100% true. Ah! So uh, there was a private party riding the attraction on September 15th, 1998, when the drop sequence malfunctioned and caused a sudden emergency stop. So here's oh, the thing. Okay, about so people rides. would be like bruised. Okay. Yeah, here's the thing about Disney attractions too is that when something goes wrong in any attraction, it's going to make an emergency stop, which right. can be quite the jarring kind of halt. Yeah. Um, it's not like. It somebody failed like, and fell. Yeah, somebody but, cricked their neck and was like, ah. Oh. Yeah. Um, and I, I've experienced that on, I've been on an emergency stop on Test Track before. And that was kind oh, of painful. Yeah. yeah. Because it was during the uh, the last sequence. Uh, it hurt. But um, that's going to, that's pretty yeah. much the automatic thing for an emergency stop. Um, uh, guests were all, the, the guests on board were treated at the hospital for neck and back injuries, but they were all okay. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so any attraction is going to e-stop like that. And if it's a fast-moving attraction, like Tower of Terror or Test Track, it's going to hurt a little bit. But it is much preferable to something else failing. It's Mm. for your safety. It's the same reason that real elevators stop. They stop because something's wrong, you know? And the last and most interesting one, uh, myth that I would like to go over, is that there is a cursed dummy inside the attraction and if cast members aren't respectful to him the ride malfunctions okay yeah this uh this is like this has now become that game on the tonight show which i'm not a fan of but whatever where they do the two truths and the lie i get to ask you a question now why would what kind of dummy a ventriloquist dummy oh that is a good idea i think you made this up for a goof and it's a good goof and i'm thankful to you for it Because it's a good goof, Adam, but I don't believe it. Okay, well, it's allegedly correct. Don't say stop that. No, listen, there is a ventriloquist (laughs) dummy inside the attraction at the lost and found desk at the exit. His name is Caesar, and he is from an episode of The Twilight Zone uh, called Caesar and Me. And he has versions at both lost and found desks and both, like, exits of the attraction because there's two different, like, shaft areas and... Uh, two mm-hmm. identical exits. Yeah. So um, the, the now Caesar is allegedly apparently according to cast members that work this attraction, Caesar kind of runs the show there. And um, but it's just a fun. It's just a fun, fun the, goof thing. The the following uh, uh, experiences come from a friend of mine who is a, a former cast member at the Tower ah, of Terror, who will go unnamed. Who will go unnamed? It's Walt Disney. <laughs> It's Walter Elias Disney. Um, so if new leaders come into the attractions, like new managers, and they do not bring donuts on their first day, the, the attraction will go down. Okay. And if they're if they're Dunkin' Donuts, it will go down, but only a little bit. They have to be good donuts. Krispy Kreme donuts. Um, if you don't say good morning and good night to Caesar, you can expect at least one of the uh, elevator uh, shafts to uh, at least one of them to go down on the next day. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's fair. Uh, this is another, this is a direct quote from her. One time my friend cussed him out and the whole building was down the next day. It was an absolute train wreck to work, but we knew it was her fault the whole day. Oh God. Okay. This is true. And this is then true then. Yeah. So you have to acknowledge both of uh, the, the Caesars or else 
bad things will happen. And by bad things, I mean the attraction will go down and you're going to have to deal with a bunch of angry people who can't use their fast pass because ah. the attraction has gone down. And it's they're named Caesar. They're actually they're the consuls of the Rome that is the Tower of Terror, the two Caesars. <laughs> the hubris and how it falls. <laughs> but I and, and I'll take this opportunity to shout out to the cast members of the Tower of Terror, because similarly to the Haunted Mansion, they it's one of those few attractions where the theming allows them to uh, be a little spooky. Yeah, you know? be cast be cast members. Yeah, they, they kind of get to play the part of, of ghosts or whatever kind of spirits they may be that are still working this long abandoned hotel. Um, and the way that I like I've seen a lot of cast members do it is they kind of do it with this same air of like grace and courtesy as a bellhop in 1930s would. But yeah, like, creepy in like a mm. ghostly kind of way. I like that. Yeah, and also the costumes for the cast members yes. of this attraction are great. They have these beautiful coats for their winter wear. It's like an A-line bottom, and it's got all what is it called? The thing like sho- the, not winter the shoulder pads, wears. but like the like uh, the yeah the, the little the the general what? things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the side rivulets or something. Buttons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're beautiful, and uh, it's a bummer they don't get to wear them more because Florida's hot. But yeah, when yeah, it's cold winter, enough, winter wear. I when it's like sixty degrees, they wear them. Yeah. Um, but yes, that is the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, an attraction that I am trying so desperately to learn to love yes. because I love her so much from afar. An attraction I can't wait to ride with you multiple times in a row when we eventually go to Disney together. Uh, the, the thing is, if, if I don't have to wait a long time, I'll get right on it. Because, but the more time I spend oh, in the queue, yeah. you get the unsettled by the, t- by the uneven ground. Yeah, the more chances well. I will take to, to split. So oh, we just God. have to get a fast pass. You have to get a fast pass. That's true. Okay. Well, we're not going to be able to get a fast pass for Millennium Falcon or for Slinky Dog Dash, which are the so other my- e-ticket attractions that you would want to use your fast pass on. Um, yeah. Since obviously oh, Rise of the you Resistance, get- you have to get a boarding pass and all that. Yeah, I don't think you can get because they have like the A tier and the B tier attractions. Yeah, and I don't think you can get for both Millennium and Slinky Dog. But I think Tower of Terror has gotten moved down to the B tier. That's since. a very big deal. Isn't right? Like you can get. Yeah, it's yeah. Oh, my God. Because don't you only get two A tiers a day and then you get you one get A tier and you get one A tier and two B tiers. And, and then once, once you, you use them. all three, you can get one more fast pass for any attraction. Hmm. That, that was our Disney passes. advice. Yeah, use your fast passes wisely, folks. Oh, yeah, and use them as early in the day as possible. But, yeah, like, so plan your whole trip around them. And your fast pass opens up 60 days before your reservation. <laughs> you're uh, welcome. Uh, 90 days if you're staying in a resort. And then 60, no, days, 60 if, days if you're staying in a resort, 30 days if you're not. Something like right. that. Right. 60 days if you're um, staying at a Disney resort, 30 days for if you're more, not. For more tips, check out Disney Food passes. Blog. <laughs> tweet tweet me at Adam J. O'Connor and I'll tell you all about fast passes. Yeah, anyway, that has been our episode about the Tower of Terror. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please give it a, a rate and review on iTunes if you're there. If you are listening on Spotify, uh, we love Spotify, but there's not really a good way to get notified when new things get posted, but you can follow us there. That does help out quite a lot and you can share the episodes pretty easily from there. On that note, if you really enjoyed this podcast, the best way to help us grow is to share it with a friend who likes getting spooked, because uh, we also like getting spooked, but especially we love recording this podcast for y'all. It is very fun to do. Uh, Adam, can you pimp our social medias? 
Yes, uh, we are on Facebook at The Great American Scream or on Twitter at Great Scream Pod. Uh, if there is something you would like to see us talk about on the show or you want to comment on some stuff we talked about in the show, uh, you can tweet at us or post uh, using the hashtag TGAS. Yes, and a special thank you goes out to Michael Segura, who records the intro for this podcast. He doesn't, I said records as if he records it every week and sends <laughs> it to me. Live every week. He did the intro for the podcast and Stevie Viola did our theme music where you can check him out on Twitter and YouTube. But Adam, I think that's going to do it for us. I've been Devin Wright. I've been Adam O'Connell. And hopefully you have been spooked after being dropped, pulled down in an elevator that's been haunted by Caesar the dummy. But that is a very safe elevator. Very safe elevator. So you will be getting spooked very safely. Safely. The twat. (laughs) Do-do-do-do-do-do-do.